Welcome to the Quantum Growth Podcast, empowering financial advisors to build practices for the 21st century by providing insights and interviews on leadership, strategy, and practice management. Now here are your co-hosts, Shenandoah Connor and Barron's Hall of Fame top advisor, Jonathan Cutton. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Quantum Growth for Financial Advisors podcast. And today we're doing something a little different. We're keeping it in the family and bringing on one of our own thought leaders to share some really special insights. So I'm going to punt it over to John to introduce our guest today. Yeah, thanks Shenandoah and uh, super excited uh, for our guest today. Uh, Someone has become a, a, a very good personal friend and who I have been speaking to probably five times a day lately and um, figured it was time to bring him on uh, as a guest. So uh, I'd like to formally introduce uh, Jeff Magson, who's the Chief Operating Officer of Cut and Consulting Group. Jeff and I have known each other uh, for a long time and uh, I'm really excited to have him here and share uh, a lot of wisdom about the financial advisor and the CPA space. So I'd like to Jeff, just have you say a quick hello, and we'll kind of, you know, get into some things here and have some fun. Yeah, well, good morning. Uh, thank you, John, and thank you, Shenandoah. It's great to see you and, and add maybe a sixth conversation uh, to our day today. Uh, happy to be here, and I'm looking forward to having some fun here for the next 45 minutes to an hour. Love it. Yeah, Jeff, we're, we're uh, pumped to have you here, and, uh, you know, really excited to have you on the team, as you know, as well. So, you know, Jeff, you know what would be really helpful is maybe you can just share with the audience just a little bit about your career history. I know uh, some similarities in the early years to my career, but maybe you could just take us back to when you were a much, much younger man. Yes, that was a long time ago, Uh, but thanks. I'd be happy to do that, uh, John, as you know, but I'll I'll share with everybody who's listening. Uh, In 1995, I became a financial advisor at what was then Ameriprise Financial, I'm sorry, American Express Financial Advisors uh, in Princeton, New Jersey. And much like you and hundreds, if not thousands of other advisors that year, I started out uh, my practice by attempting to find new clients uh, to convince them that I could help them improve their financial situation, uh, all the while getting extremely beneficial training uh, in the American Express system. And so, uh, as you know, John, we were fortunate to come into a system and a process uh, that allowed people who wanted to do the right things for the right people to have a chance to succeed in business even if they had very limited business experience or entrepreneurial experience. So began my practice in 95, uh, was successful to make it through my first year. Uh, and as uh, someone who does that in a system like that, oftentimes you get asked to step up and help in a leadership role. So I became an advisor coach in my second year. That allowed me to continue to serve my clients, uh, but also give back to the system and help other new advisors coming in behind me uh, successfully navigate the challenges of, of starting a business uh, serving clients, uh, and so it was, a, it was a great experience. Uh, I think about two years later, I formalized my leadership path by becoming a district manager in the American Express system. Uh, that also afforded me the opportunity to move from New Jersey uh, to go down to the West Florida market. So I had an opportunity to now work with new advisors in a new community, but also see a bit of a different side of the business. Most of the folks we served in the West Florida market were closer to retirement, had quite a bit more money, uh, or were already in retirement and their, their needs were different. They weren't savers anymore, they were consumers. And so it helped me well around my, my client service skills uh, by working with young accumulators, mostly in New Jersey, like me, uh, and then working with uh, 
others in Florida who are past that stage. Uh, continued to do well in growing the district and growing the marketplace. And in 2000, was asked to become what they called the field vice president at the time. Uh, I accepted that, that challenge. And I think that's where you and I, our career paths uh, went, went in a different direction. Um, when I moved out to the West Coast, to the, to the state of Washington, I was able to grow and develop offices and advisors for the next 10 years. Um, so 15 years at American Express, which along the way then became Ameriprise. Uh, and then uh, in 2010, I took a different turn. Um, I, was, I joined an organization based in Dallas, Texas called First Global. And First Global uh, at the time was the largest independently owned broker dealer serving exclusively CPA wealth managers. And so we had at First Global about 350 CPA firms across America, uh, which consult, consisted then of about 800 to 900 licensed financial advisors. And what we did is that as their broker dealer and business partner was we consulted with them on a regular basis and coached them on how to go deeper with their clients, create more meaningful relationships, really grow the wealth management enterprise within the tax business that they had already very successfully grown. So I spent the next 10 years at First Global, the last eight of which as an executive vice president, overseeing all of the coaching and consulting uh, organizations, marketing, business development, product and platform. And what that let me do was spend a lot of time leading through other leaders. And that excess time gave me the opportunity to be out in the field, embedded in these CPA firms, coaching the managing partners and champion partners on how to not only better run their wealth business, but really learning and leading them on how to add value on the CPA side as well. Uh, so two very, uh, very important sort of steps in my career, the becoming a financial advisor and leading other advisors over 15 years and then sort of pivoting that into the CPA space uh, makes me really excited about what we can do together now through the Cutting Consulting organization that you've created. Yeah, Jeff, extremely well said. And um, you know, I think for the listeners, hopefully you can kind of hear some of the synergy there, right? So uh, when you think about, you know, a big part of this podcast is helping advisors figure out how to create quantum growth within their practices. Uh, one of the ways I've been able to do it in my wealth management firm, and then I help folks through this uh, in the consulting firm that now Jeff really helps run for the organization is through building strategic alliances and partnerships really uh, with CPA firms. So, you know, I, I recently interviewed someone that we referred to as the LinkedIn ninja, right? And interestingly enough, um, I saw that Jeff was looking for a new opportunity on LinkedIn. Uh, we had known some people in common from our American Express and Ameriprise days and even did try to do some work together when Jeff was running uh, as uh, the, an executive at First Global and uh, saw the opportunity to kind of snatch Jeff up and the rest, as they say, is history. So he is going to be super uh, and has already become super, um, you know, just knowledgeable on every aspect of financial advisors and CPAs partnering together. So super excited for everything you're going to be able to continue to share, Jeff. Thank you. So with, you know, with that being said, Jeff, Next thing I wanted to just ask you a little bit about is maybe you could just share some of those experiences that you've had at First Global, uh, now at Vantax, of course, and working with, I think you said 350 different uh, CPA firms that integrated wealth management. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, as you think about how financial advisors are approaching the CPA marketplace uh, and CPAs in general, maybe you could tell us a little bit about kind of where you think advisors 
may, may, may be going in the wrong direction or maybe what some folks that are being successful should be thinking about doing. I, I can. And in fact, uh, if you take me back to my first, you know, couple of months uh, at First Global and my first face-to-face -face interactions with CPAs, uh, just like you, John, back when we were new advisors, we were coached to, uh, to go out and try to establish relationships with CPAs and, um, you know, knock on their door, see if we can develop a referral relationship. And I remember, it's, it's been 25 years, but I remember failing miserably at doing that. And I know a lot of colleagues of mine failed miserably at doing that. Uh, you figured it out uh, along the ways, but I'm, I'm sure it wasn't, um, you didn't bat a thousand right out of the gates. So, uh, so I remember then, you know, fast forward 15 years, meeting some of the CPAs that were affiliated with First Global and very quickly realizing uh, why traditional financial advisor tactics aren't very effective when approaching CPA market. So uh, first and foremost, I think, Financial advisors, when they when they set out to approach, they have great intentions in wanting to partner with the CPAs, uh, but they either grossly underestimate or maybe don't even consider the perspective that the CPA has. And I'll share a couple of things that I've learned that I think if we if we have it top of mind uh, as financial advisors when trying to trying to partner with CPAs will make a very big difference. First and foremost, in the main, and most of the ones that I know, CPAs are great human beings. They are very client-centric, they care deeply for their clients, they're fiercely protective of their clients, of their clients' money, and that is why they are the most trusted financial services professional. They're the most trusted service provider year in and year out in almost every survey that you read. Uh, they're very, very good people and they care for their clients. Secondly, one level below that, they are fiercely protective of their tax practices. Their clients are their lifeblood in the business. I mean, this, this business is their life. They usually, by the time we're talking to them, have spent multiple decades building it. And uh, like it or not, most of them are in the transactional version of this business. And what I mean by that is they need their clients, their 500, 750, 1,000 clients who pay them a transaction every year in return for some service to come back every year. And if they don't come back every year, for whatever reason, that business will suffer. Uh, CPAs are smart and just by the design or the nature of the person who's attracted to that type of business, in most cases, their personality style is analytic. So they've got an analytic bent to them, they're left brain oriented. And if you've done any study of social styles, and I know you have, John, uh, the primary need for an analytic person is to be right. And you can be right in tax compliance. The rules are the rules. If you know them and you follow them, you will be right. The tax return will be right. Uh, it's not as easy or obvious in financial advising, right? Many of us as financial advisors are at least 50-50 or more heavily right brain wired. We're optimistic about the future. We see it as better than the present. And so we've got a natural personality style difference, not necessarily conflict, but when we approach them, we've got to be weary of the fact that we don't all see the world the same way. Um, CPAs are approached relentlessly by financial advisors, selfishly, mostly, and usually badly, uh, because the financial advisor wants so desperately that holy grail, that relationship, trusted relationship with the CPA and access to their clients. Uh, and then I guess lastly, one of the things I'd never really thought about until I sat in CPA offices for the last 10 years, uh, these men and women are business owners. And like many business owners, they're really great technicians who spend most of their time 
in the business of tax compliance or tax advising. And they'll tell you almost uh, no time that they spend on the business. It's one of their biggest challenges as we would coach them every single year. One of the most effective things we could do is set up dedicated time to help them step out of the technician side and into the business owner side and work on the business. When a financial advisor approaches a CPA for partnering, he or she is taking them out of technician mode and into on the business mode and because they don't spend a lot of time there, they're not very comfortable. Uh, and that can trigger that, that fight or flight reaction that can shut down the conversation pretty quickly. Uh, so in terms of uh, things that we can improve on, I think those are some of the big uh, opportunities for FAs to get better uh, or avoid some of the mistakes we see most commonly and mistakes I make. Well said, Jeff. And <laughs> I tell you, you know, as you go through that 10 years of sitting with CPAs, um, you know, it sounds like what you've really been able to do, and obviously, you know, uh, you know, we've got lots of similar experiences with that is really start to understand the mindset of a CPA. I like some of the things you said there, uh, being protective of clients, analytical, right-brained, um, you know, not having time to work in uh, or not having time to work on the business, but really being forced to work in the business all really, really resonates. And, you know, I never thought about what you said about their need to be right, but that would explain why uh, I, we, we all have a lot of difficulty sometimes, sorry to the CPAs that might be listening in, but having them just think differently, um, you know, in a, just a, a whole different sense. So I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, Max, and because uh, I, I believe you're quick on your feet here. So, so knowing all that, right, what's the approach? So if you're an advisor, right, and you'd like to actually start to win these relationships. We talked about, you know, a little bit about why it's hard to do it. Are there, you know, one or two or three different kind of thoughts that you might have that an advisor should do, um, you know, from a perspective of building a relationship with a, with a local CPA firm? Sure. I, I think, it, you know, we can make it complicated and talk about CPA versus financial advisor, but at the end of the day, it's a human and a human, right? And so the whole reason that communication uh, exists today is because one communicator needs something from the other communicator or vice versa. And so that's why we have, that's why we evolved from writing on cave walls to now public speaking and everything in between languages evolved because we as people in the society need to get something or need assistance or help from one another. If we didn't, and we were all self-sufficient, there'd be no language whatsoever, we'd just go on. So human to human, uh, one of the things we wanna realize is what are the base needs of this person? So I'm gonna come forward and I'm gonna interact with a CPA. It would be really important for me to understand what's important to that CPA so that I can be part of the solution. So in the first meeting or two meetings, I really wanna to get to understand who is this human? You know, what are, what are, what's important to them in life? What do they want for themselves now and in the future? How is their CPA business a conduit to that? Who are the key stakeholders in their CPA business? Because I want to begin to build a, a, a picture in my mind about, can I see the key stakeholders in this human being's life and how what I'm proposing will improve the lives of every one of those stakeholders? So those stakeholders, first and foremost, are that human himself or herself, their immediate family, their business partners, their end clients, we're ultimately going to talk about helping um, the, the other members of the staff of their CPA firm. So you think about two or three circles around that person. 
how is what I'm proposing to, to do as a, as a financial advisor going to improve the lives or reduce risk from the lives of those key stakeholders? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes, makes a ton of sense. Yeah, and I think, so, so really what that looks like in, in execution is um, care, concern, compassion. So the first meeting or two meetings we're gonna have are, are going to be less about what I wanna get out of this relationship, which is referrals to your best clients and relationships. And more about, um, as, a, as a leader in the community who happens to be a financial advisor, I'm looking to meet other leaders, business owners, understand what's important so that we can create a resource brokerage network and I can be better for you and your key stakeholders. Yeah, no, love it, Jeff. I mean, you know, your, your remark a, a, a two or three minutes ago or, uh, or so, um, the human to human, um, just from a leadership perspective, and I know you and I are aligned on this, what I heard you, heard you say is you actually have to help that CPA firm get what they want for themselves and actually listen, right? So um, I think a lot of advisors, to your point, make the mistake of walking into a CPA's office and sharing with that CPA everything that you as the advisor can do for them um, at a really assumptive in, in the approach without even knowing what it is that they're looking to accomplish. So you know, with that being said, you know, where do you see, I think it's a good little segue here, kind of the CPA industry going? I think, you know, here we are, you know, somewhere, I don't know if we're at the middle or the end, hopefully it's the end of this COVID crisis. And uh, we've had a lot of, you know, changes to small businesses, which we know are the lifeblood of a lot of CPA firms. Um, you know, where do you see the CPA industry going and, you know, wh where was it and where do you think it's going in the future? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I think, um, you know, I did a little, I do a little reading from time to time on the industry because it's a big part of who we serve. So I want to keep up to date on, on some of the facts. Um, so here are some facts and then I'll give you my, my opinion from experiencing work with CPAs. Uh, in 2016, uh, there were about 48,000 people who applied to be a candidate or candidates for the, the CPA exam, right? So 48,000 people raised their hand and said, this is the industry that I want to get into. Uh, in 2017, that number was down by about 9,000 uh, to 39,000. And in 2018, it was 37,000. So it's not trending uh, in a very positive way for new applicants. I uh, contrast that with um, the financial advisor industry, which is projected to grow at about 4% year over year for the next five or 10 years. So there, are, there is at least a growth trend in uh, people getting licensed to do financial advisor work and a decrease at least in the formal designation of CPA uh, as we've seen over the past couple of years. So uh, traditional, uh, I, I think that's not a positive trend. I think one could argue that uh, tax code compliance, so complying with the ever more Byzantine tax code will not be easier in the future than it is today. Uh, it'll be the same or maybe more difficult uh, and so for those in the business, that may bode well because business owners and, you know, income earners will need the services of the existing CPAs. And if there are some retiring and less coming in, that means more business for those in the middle. Uh, so that may be, that may be a positive sign, uh, but it also may cause uh, some, some fee compression uh, in the industry. Uh, traditional accounting, as you know, uh, John, is rooted in recording history, right? So being right about what happened last year. Uh, being right about helping their clients be compliant. I think, as I mentioned, there might be some price compression in that space. Um, there, there's also ever more 
uh, easy to use self-filing software at, uh, at the hand and fingertips of our, of our end clients and users. Where I've seen the, the CPAs that I support work really, really well over the last decade is they've decided to make the, the pivot from historian to futurist. If I can use that term, that may be a bit bold, but uh, they're at least incorporating some forward-looking um, views and, and helping clients with issues that they may not even know they have yet uh, in terms of their business or their personal economies. So they've then formally added verticals in their service model uh, to serve their clients more completely. Yes, still do the historian work, but help them to create the futures that they want, uh, not only on their business in the case of a small or medium sized business owner, but also in their personal economies as well. And I think that application or addition of futurist based activity is a trend that will serve firms well who choose to adopt it. Excellent. And, and this is what we've been seeing. Um, as you know, you work really closely with us on the, the coaching and working with our advisors as well as their CPAs and, and our CPA partners as well. Um, but, you know, thinking who our audience is, these are financial advisors out there that are hearing this information. What do they take from this? How are they taking this information to be able to reach out to the CPA or build a relationship with the CPA? And, and how also is that going to impact that the nature of the relationship moving forward, how are, if CPAs are changing how they do business, how does that change how advisors need to work with them and, and, and move forward with them? Well, yeah, I think that, I mean, if, if an advisor does what you've asked in that question, which is they, they, they take the time to, to understand the trends in the CPA industry, they're demonstrating exactly what we talked about a few minutes ago, which is I'm concerned about you as a human and you as a business owner, so I'm taking the time to educate myself understand the business challenges that your industry has and therefore I can position myself as someone who either personally or, or uh, can be a resource broker to others personally who can help pivot from full-on historian to adding futurist type behavior uh, to their uh, to their verticals. Excellent. No, and I, I've been seeing this really playing out with our partnerships and, and things like that. So I think um, it's just been exciting to watch you in our sessions as you've been working with some of our clients and deepening that and seeing where this business is going. And um, like you said, really harkening back to financial advisors. And what we say is, you know, the financial advisor really has to lead the CPA to this new business model. And I know that's something that we're really passionate about here at Cutting Consulting. John's really passionate about, and you've had some great insight as well. So thinking along that leadership component, um, you know, what... How, how do advisors need to become and evolve as a leader, not just within the relationship with the CPA, but within their own firms, this new concept of, of leading versus selling or providing a service, but that's really what's going to set them apart moving forward. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I had the, the good fortune, uh, I think in my first or second year at First Global at our High, high Achievers Conference, we had, we had John Maxwell, who for those who are uh, leadership uh, minded like I am, understand is, is, you know, the guru in leadership, right? He's written a book, a book a year for as long as I can remember. His principles are sound. And we had the, the very good fortune of having him for a day or a day and a half uh, at that conference. It was amazing. I still have the notes. One of the key takeaways that we hear bandied about all the time from that day, uh, but I got to hear from, his, from the horse's mouth, is everything rises and falls on leadership, right? So whether you're a financial advisor or a managing partner in a CPA firm or a parent, uh, or, or an ownership group of a, of a National Football League team, uh, it's, it's consistent that the better uh, oriented the leadership team group person is, 
uh, towards uh, the mission and values of the, of the of the team, the person, the, the client base, the better the results are going to be. Uh, I, I point out all the time uh, in sports-related conversations that there are there are a few teams in every major sport that we have that seem to be consistently at or near the top, uh, or, or sometimes called dynasties, and then there are some that essentially have uh, not won or qualified to be in a playoff game or anything for decades, and they all have you know, more or less similar resources. There are salary caps that keep anything, any team from running away with it. They all play by the same rules. They all have the same, you know, uh, athlete uh, standards, drug tests, whatever, but consistently some groups are at or near the top all the time and some are at or near the bottom all the time for 10 years, 20 years. That's a, to me, that's a sign of leadership. That's an ownership group, a leadership thing. Back to our industry, if I think about leadership, what I've seen trending there is that um, as our, say, the financial advisor space, uh, and I think it's the same in the CPA space, uh, both of those businesses are, are seeing roll-ups as, uh, as a trend, right? So large groups buying medium and smaller groups and rolling them up. Every single time that happens, there are less branches on the tree for leaders. So we're seeing the number of leaders decrease. Leaders are expensive. And if they can't demonstrate that they're creative to the business, uh, very quickly, they're not going to be needed anymore. And so... Uh, the fact of the matter is the follower group has expanded, and so we need the remaining leaders to be ever more strong. So we see the best companies like, like here at Cutton investing in leadership all the time so that the remaining leaders are able to scale up and be more impactful to ever larger groups of people. And I think that's a trend in both the CPA space as well as the wealth management space. Those leaders who are finding themselves without a branch on the tree to sit, um, can still continue to add value as leaders, but they're typically now back into more of a player coach role where they're providing leadership, but they're also producing, they're bringing in um, value to cover the cost of their, their leadership uh, piece. Yeah, Jeff, well said. Um, yeah, I've got this saying, it's the leader, it's the leader, it's always the leader. Yeah. Stolen from someone back in the day, of yeah. course. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, I, as I hear you articulate you know, I just want to say, I love the, your style, your way of making something um, simplicity, as we like to call it on that far side of complexity, things really clear. You know, as much of it, quite frankly, as maybe anyone in the industry, um, I feel like, you know, I, I, I might be a close second uh, in the amount of CPAs and interaction uh, that we've been able to have. So it, it becomes simple when you do a lot of it. Um, I wanna just drill down a little bit. So one, I just wanna make a comment, which I think is interesting, that doesn't probably require a comment back from you unless you'd like to give one. Uh, and the second is a question for you. So the comment is, you know, interestingly enough, just yesterday, uh, I think it was yesterday at least, Jeff and I uh, met with, I think about a, a, a $6 million accounting firm here on the East Coast. And um, it was interesting, we were talking to the managing partner and the managing partner uh, is in a group with a lot of like-minded like managing partners of, C, of CPA firms uh, that are his size or bigger in most cases. And what he said very matter-of-factly, and this was on behalf of a coaching client of ours, but what he said very matter-of-factly is every CPA firm in his group, and I think he said there were about two dozen, are either already doing financial planning and wealth management or are in the process of realizing that they need to in the future and trying to figure out the best way to do so. 
which I can just share. I built my first relationship with a CPA firm um, with a past guest, Ken Serini, in 2001. And he was a pioneer. It was rare, right, for yeah. a CPA to be that bold. So, you know, I don't know if it's a, if you care to comment on that, Jeff. It's more of a, a just a fact, I think, at this point as to where that industry is going. Any, any thoughts there? Well, yeah, I, I think when, when he made that comment, it, it definitely struck me right between the eyes uh, because in those, in those alliance groups, like the one he's a part of and then some of the bigger ones, uh, you know, the AICPA being the, the, the grand fubah of all of them, uh, there is still a hangover from the 80s and 90s where it was taboo for CPAs to consider crossing over to the dark side and helping their clients grow their wealth and, and God forbid, receive compensation for protecting their clients as they grew their wealth. And when you attend these meetings, I know you have John and I have for 10 years, that, that vibe still exists, even though they're supportive of the PFS you know, designation, which is a designation uh, that uh, CPAs get to be able to provide financial services. Um, there's still that lingering thought. So Ken was a pioneer for sure, uh, and has done an amazing job there. But here's what I think the CPA firms are waking up to. They have, if you, if you picture the movie Pulp Fiction, I'm not sure if you're you know, a Pulp Fiction fan, it seems to be on every day. There's a point in that movie where Travolta and, um, oh gosh, I forget his name, uh, are sitting down at, in the diner and they've got that briefcase and they open it up and there's just this gold light that comes out of it. Um, and you never really know what it is, but whatever is in there is so powerful that it creates this glow. The CPA firms are waking up to the fact that they have something like that for their CPA clients if they are able to protect them and be partners with them on the wealth management side. And so what I mean by that is there is nothing more powerful or that would give off a glow in this, in this analogy um, than when a CPA and a CFP can sit down with mass affluent clients and conduct tax-centric comprehensive financial planning. So build that plan, implement that plan, and then quarterly or whatever is appropriate, make sure that they're reviewing their progress on that plan. And the reason that that is so powerful is the one thing that a standalone advisor can't take out of the equation, or I should say add into the equation, is formal tax advice. And every decision the financial advisor is going to give to that client will have a tax consequence today or tomorrow. And it's required, it should, it should be required, it isn't, but it's, it's really important that someone with a CPA um, knowledge and experience and, and professional designation and the license to give advice in that space should be consulting on that piece of advice. When you put those two together, an alliance of a CFP and a CPA, you've effectively created that glow for the client. And, and they essentially are going to be more well served than anybody who's working solely with a standalone CPA or a standalone advisor. And we used to say, John, all the time, you and I were basically required to back when we started, um, here's all my advice. Now, before I take it and implement it, I need you to go consult with your tax professional, which of course, as young financial advisors, we didn't want to have happen. We wanted to implement the advice and oversee it. Um, and rarely did clients ever go. They just said, I trust you, let's do that. And uh, our intentions were as good as they are, uh, but really the, the magic or the glow comes together when the CPA and the, and the financial advisor are working together in unison for the end client. Yeah, Jeff. I mean, awesome and uh, totally aligned, as you know, on that. And, you know, it's interesting, I'm thinking back to the conversation we had with the CPA yesterday and your words a second ago, his words were actually, 
if the CPA and a financial advisor don't work together, it is criminal. <laughs> that was his actually exact words, uh, which I, I, I think once you kind of really think about it, if you're not, as a financial advisor, or for that matter, as a CPA, if you don't have the ability, whether it be through a true partnership or through just having a kind of support system of professionals, to be able to provide multidisciplinary advice, right, which I believe is the wave of the future and where we're set up as a firm, where a client can come in a front door, it doesn't matter which door they come through, whether they come through the CPA door, the estate planning attorney door, or the financial advisor's door, um, that that one client can get everything they need from one, you know, we like to call it relevant advisor who has the expertise and resources to solve all those problems. So, um, yes. you know, awesome point. And, and if I can just add to that, uh, so that when we were talking with him, it was clear. He was clearly on the other side of the argument, couldn't see how a, a, a professional services corporation that does tax could do so and not work with their client on wealth management. But there was a time when he and a lot of other CPAs today were all the way on the other side of that line. And they were just as adamant about the fact that they shouldn't be. So you and I were talking to somebody who's seen that glow and seen that light work. Uh, but I can assure you there was a time 10 or 15 years ago when he didn't. And there are plenty of folks out there. And that, those are the folks that we're trying to help at Cutting Consulting see how powerful they can be for their clients. And once they get on the other side of that, uh, there's no turning back. It's just about what more can I do for my clients to help them achieve what they want for themselves and pay, and pay less along the way while they do it. Yeah, no, extremely well said. And, uh, you know, the kind of segue, I think it's a perfect segue, actually. You know, so I don't know if guys like you and I are just getting really, really good at it, right? Or the folks that we're coaching are getting better at it. Or if actually the sentiment has already really shifted. So I've got, you know, 19 years now of experience working with CPAs. And I can tell you, whether it be a CPA that comes through my wealth management firm, Cotton Wealth Management, or whether it be an advisor that you and I uh, and team are coaching through Cutton Consulting Group, it seems as if it's a lot easier today to have a CPA say, yes, this is what I want to do and I believe in it. So I, I, you know, my belief is that CPAs today are way, way more um, intrigued and interested and ready to start to get more involved in financial planning and kind of feel like if they don't, they're getting left behind. So I'm gonna take that as a minute as kind of the gospel because I believe that to be true. And Jeff, I know from our conversations that you believe that to be true as well. So I wanna ask you a little bit of a difficult question, right? So if I'm an advisor today and I, I meet a CPA, he or she seems like they have an interest level, right? I listen, like you said, I put my leadership hat on, two ears, one mouth, I listen to what they want and what's important to them. Um, when it now comes to delivery, right? So if I'm a financial advisor and I wanna look and lead my practice the right way, and I want my practice to be set up so a CPA firm will say, yes, your process and the way you deliver advice is what I would like for my clientele, um, and I see value in that. What would you say are table stakes there? What are the things that if you're an advisor listening in, 
you need to be able to demonstrate to a CPA so that they'll be comfortable with you in particular as the person that they'll entrust their clients to. Yeah, excellent. Uh, there are a few. Uh, we mentioned one of them already, and I think this is still the number one answer uh, in this category as well, and that is leadership. And the financial advisor is a technician, but in this relationship, they've assumed the role of leader of this alliance. 100% of it, until some of that starts to transfer as the, you know, as the relationship evolves, right? So you started working with Ken Serini two decades ago, roughly, and I'm guessing at first there was a dominant leader and a not dominant leader, and that became a partnership. So if I'm the financial advisor going in, I want to assume the leadership role until some of that transfers to the CPA. Uh, ideally, we're doing that openly and we're talking about it so that the CPA can become a better leader of their partners uh, and then their clients. Leadership is what's gonna ultimately empower people to accomplish things that they otherwise would not do. That's what the definition of a leader is often described as, someone who helps people achieve something otherwise they wouldn't achieve without that leader. And so generally speaking, um, we need to assume that leadership role as a financial advisor until we can share it <laughs> with the CPA. Number two, once we've established that, that level uh, of agreement to work together, we, we wanna make sure that we have a very simple, process that is repeatable over and over again. So having a process of working with that CPA that is to be followed religiously, regularly, it's trusted, even when it seems like nothing's coming out of it maybe fast as we'd like it to, we want to be beholden to that process and, and true to that process and execute on it time and time again. That leads to consistency, which is something that CPAs value uh, very, very highly. Uh, it's, it serves their need to be right uh, very nicely. It serves their left brain very nicely. Once the process uh, is agreed upon, the, the financial advisor and the CPA shake hands to say, this is how we're going to do it. That simple repeatable process should, should be executed to the level. And that's gonna build trust in two ways. It demonstrates commitment to the mutual service of the CPA clients. And then it also can create opportunities for the financial advisor uh, who is creating a referable experience to bring on wealth management clients that are in need of the services of the CPA. So it begins to complete the full circle of symbiosis in that relationship. And then at the end of the day, uh, the, the client experience that the financial advisor must be committed to delivering should be second to none. Very, very different, very, very referable. It, it should be documented so that they can, they can share with the CPA what it is they're doing, how they're going to do it. CPA can sign off on that. And then the advisor must consistently demonstrate that it's being followed in every interaction with the referred clients. So I'll pause there and see if, if, if you have any questions about that. Gems, Mr. Magson, gems. If, I, if I'm a listener right here, that, that's literally like a master's degree in uh, how to build a relationship and more importantly, lead a relationship with CPAs. So um, really, really well said. What I heard, Jeff, is the keys here are leadership, having a simple, Keyword, simple process, consistency, uh, and making sure you have a differentiated client experience uh, for the clients, which um, are unbelievable gems and something. I'm a listener that's serious about working with CPAs. Um, I listen to that 90 seconds or whatever that might have been, 120 seconds, <laughs> over and over and over again. You know, the last piece I'll share, and then I know Shenandoah's got uh, a, a question for you, and we'll look to wrap here. 
is, um, you know, when, when you think about it, there's two parts of building a relationship with a CPA firm. And I know Jeff, you and I have talked about this. The first part is getting the CPA to yes, right? Getting the CPA to actually go, yeah, this is a good idea. It's where the industry's going. It'll be good for my clients, um, et cetera. And I think as I stated before, there are, there's more and more of an open willingness for CPAs to start to really consider this. They're not already doing it in their practices. Um, I always say that's the easy part. The hard part is then all the other stuff you just talked about, Jeff. Leadership, consistency, process, all that kind of good stuff in a uh, client experience. And I think if advisors separate the two, um, it becomes really, you know, two different businesses. One is to get them to guess. One is to then be able to do this well and, you know, might be a dirty word, but monetize the relationship so that the end result, which is having clients introduced to your wealth management firm begin to occur. So pearls of wisdoms there. And you know, back to you, Shenandoah, to kind of wrap this thing up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, what we wanted to do was really highlight Jeff's experience, his knowledge, the insights that he has that he's bringing to the table um, that we're definitely going to be putting out there, not just in the podcast, but in other ways. But that really leads into, you know, helping our listeners understand really what it is that you do now in your role at Cutton Consulting Group. And if they need those resources, how they might be able to tap into this thought leadership and knowledge and experience that you have. I mean, uh, in a role at Cutton Consulting a few months ago, John had already created an environment that I was more than willing to jump into because it was a very leaderful, very focused process driven environment. So I felt it was a, a fantastic platform to land on. You know, before I got here, they built uh, 65 plus relationships that are currently active in the community with CPA firms who are actively referring clients into the cut and wealth management uh, advisor team. So there was a great place to start. So I, I was really fortunate to come in uh, to an environment that wasn't you know, on fire in any way, shape or form, other than in, in terms of success. Uh, there's some great human beings that are on this team uh, that have roles in either business development, which means you know, reaching out and engaging CPAs and financial advisors in that initial conversation. So I have the pleasure of spending time with them week in and week out, leading them, learning from what they've done that's making them successful, but then you know, injecting things that I've seen in the last 25 years into the work that they're doing uh, to make the deliverables that they're taking out into the community that much more valuable and attractive uh, to both FAs, financial advisors that is, and CPAs. Uh, secondly, I, I then consult with some of our biggest relationships. So some of the biggest advisors, the biggest CPA firms that we have, uh, I, I roll up my sleeves and I get into those weekly consulting um, uh, deliverables to help understand what it is that they're trying to achieve and create uh, sort of like a mini board of directors, myself and my team, uh, to that managing partner or that wealth manager uh, or the combined uh, group of a, you know, a CPA and an FA that are working together. Uh, I roll up my sleeves and get any consult to help them understand how they can better monetize the relationship they already have, how they can go up market on both the tax, uh, on the tax business as well as the FA business, and how to identify uh, new and interesting verticals within the business that they already have together to tap into, all of which is the, the end result of building the enterprise value of the wealth practice and the financial practice uh, at the same time. And I would just, you know, kind of share your, 
you're a little modest, Jeff, which I appreciate, by the way. But, um, you know, from my perspective, having Jeff on the, you know, the Cut and Consulting Group team um, and watching the work he's already doing with advisors and CPAs, it gives, um, it gives our consulting program, right, the opportunity to actually bring in someone who, you know, was one of the top folks at a very prominent uh, broker-dealer that only worked with CPA firms um, and was in charge of a, a, you know, a lot for that organization and to take all that brain trust and to be able to give it to the advisors and the CPA and the level of credibility that Jeff can bring to the table for that advisor is unbelievable because every CPA out there knows who First Global or Vantax now uh, is or was. Um, and uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's working uh, in a good way. So it's exciting to see. Uh, and a lot of the, although what's interesting is a lot of the strategies and tactics, I think are similar, right? The words are a little different uh, in a lot of ways. Um, what's interesting is when you have someone with that level of credibility, uh, you know, kind of delivering the message for or with you as an advisor, it starts to have a tremendous impact. So don't be so honest, so, big man. Yeah, we call that professional eye candy, I guess, in the business, right, Tom? Yes, well, the eye candy is certainly not that pretty face of yours. So, uh, <laughs> at least the resume is strong. <laughs> well, he qualified it with the word professional at the front. That's right. <laughs> uh, no, excellent. And just to clarify for our listeners, Jeff is our primary relationship advisor for our core advisor program, which is our tier two program. Um, first, we teach you our process. That's what everybody knows is the cut and program, our, our, which is also what we talked about. You need to have that process for being able to reach with out to CPAs and to lead them, not just to yes, but to actually starting to make it work and not just getting that, that initial commitment, but actually making it happen and put it into place. Once you have that, Jeff can step in and really take it to the next level. And I've been sitting in fly on the wall on a few of his coaching um, meetings and just listening in. And I am taking notes furiously and learning so much from him because he truly has an amazing amount of experience. Uh, so again, if you want to connect with him, obviously he's here at Cut and Consulting Group. I'll have those links there. But Jeff, if they wanted to connect with you directly and reach out to you, how might they do that? Is there somewhere online that they could connect with you as well outside of our website? Well, sure. I mean, the easiest way to find me in a professional networking way would be LinkedIn. I have a pretty uh, easy to find uh, LinkedIn page, uh, Jeffrey Magson. And so uh, that's the easiest way. They can direct message me there. Uh, most of my contact information, uh, professional contact information is visible on that page. So if you just look me up on uh, LinkedIn, you can get right to me. Excellent. And I'll make sure to put that link in the show notes as well. John, any last words before I send us home? No, you know what, Jeff, thanks for uh, the time. You were uh, the man as usual. So thank you for the nuggets. I hope the audience loved it. And Jeff, anything uh, that you wanted to share? Any final thoughts before we, uh, we put this baby to bed? Well, I, I would just, uh, again, like to reiterate, as I do, John, how grateful I am to be associated with uh, this organization. The work that we're doing through the CPAs and financial advisors is, uh, is, ch is changing lives. I mean, it, not, not medically or physically, but it is comprehensive planning and tax-centric comprehensive planning are improving the lives of, you know, in our organization, tens of thousands of American families and uh, the leadership that you've provided over the year to build this organization that I've been fortunate to join recently 
is so exciting. I know what our business plans are. I know what our growth plans are. And that just means every single day, more and more people are going to be helped. And then more and more professionals can be coached to deliver that same value in the community. So like ripples on a pond, I mean, the, the, uh, the influence is just spreading out around a country that desperately needs people pulling for them at this point in time. So I'm happy to be a part of it. And I thank you for the opportunity to be here today and to be here uh, on the team moving forward. Love to have you, bud. Appreciate it. And uh, you are an amazing addition. And we're going to keep doing some great stuff together. So with that, Shenandoah, take us yep. away. We are sending it home. So thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. Once again, all of those links that we mentioned will be in the show notes and valuable resources. Jeff will be putting out some articles and other thought leadership, so you will continue to have opportunities to learn from him on our website, so make sure that you are subscribed, both to our newsletter as well as to the podcast so you don't miss any more episodes moving forward, and stay tuned next week for another excellent guest. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find the episode show notes and subscribe for updates by visiting cuttonconsultinggroup.com forward slash podcast. Make sure to subscribe and download the episodes on your favorite podcast app, and we'll see you next week.